In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, what powerful readings we have today in this liturgy. And I think there's a common theme that runs through all of them. That God is a merciful Father. He's not a tyrant. He doesn't long for our destruction. No, he loves his children, and he wants to show us his mercy. But at the same time, he needs for us to ask for it humbly. There has to be a sense of humility in our hearts to recognize the fact that we are sinners, we are creatures, we are in need of God's mercy and God's grace. But as long as we manifest some sign of that humility to recognize our sinfulness, God is willing and ready to pour out his mercy on our souls. He wants to give us his mercy. He wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to die in sin and to be away from him. Yet we need to be humble. In this first reading from the book of Exodus, I think God is actually testing Moses. Because God says to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, go down at once to your people whom you brought out of Egypt. Because they've become depraved. They're worshiping an idol down there. Let my wrath blaze up against them and then I will make of you a great nation. What a temptation for Moses, no? I mean, he was pretty fed up with this stiff-necked people too. They hadn't made it easy for Moses. He was probably done with them. He said, oh, good Lord. Yeah, good idea. Wipe them out and let's do something different. I could just picture Moses saying, oh, I am exhausted, Lord. Yeah, if that's what they're doing, let's uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Here the Lord is testing him. Do you think this is your people that you brought him out? Do you think that you can make a better nation out of him? Out of you? He's testing his humility. And Moses, he uh, passes the test because listen to his response. But Moses implored the Lord saying, why, O oh Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your own people? They're not mine. <laughs> They're yours. Whom you, not me, brought out of the land of Egypt. With great power and the strong arm. So remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What are the, Israel, what are the Egyptians going to say? Ah, their God took them out to annihilate them in the desert? No, Lord, this is about your glory and about all the world seeing your glory. And so Moses intercedes with humility and asks God to have mercy on the people. And when God sees his humility, he responds, so the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. God wants to have mercy on them. He wants them to come away from idols and back to him. He wants them to live in his happiness and his grace and his love. He wants to give them his mercy. And here Moses is the one who represents the need of humbly asking for it. We see the same thing in the psalm we just read. This psalm, 51, is from David. This is after David committed adultery with Bethsabeh. And he was losing his, the child they were going to have after he killed Urias, the husband of Bethsabeh. I mean, all the sins David had committed deserved punishment. And he was going to be punished by the Lord. And when Nathan the prophet comes in and tells him, the Lord's going to punish you for this, for what you've done, David repents sincerely and he writes Psalm 51. 
I invite you to go to the Bibles when you get home and read this psalm. Because we could all pray it, and we all need to, earnestly. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness. In the greatness of your compassion, blot out my offense. Wash me from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. It's a humble petition to God to, to purify his heart from this sin and give him his mercy. Cast me not from your presence and take not your spirit from me. Lord, open my lips. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a heart contrite and humbled you will not spurn. And God grants his mercy. The next king of Israel will be the son of David, who is Solomon, who will be the son of Bethsabeh once he's ta she's taken as his proper wife. Because God forgives and wipes. He's not like us. He doesn't hold on to things to throw them back in our face later. Ah, oh, you did this to me years ago. No. God, when he forgives, he, he forgives completely. His mercy is everlasting. I think we might sing that today in one of the songs at the end. No? In eternum misericordia eus. His mercy is forever. It's eternal. St. Paul, in the second reading, goes right back into it. I'm grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to the ministry. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and arrogant, and I have been mercifully treated because I acted in ignorance in my unbelief. The grace of the Lord has been abundant the love and faith of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And then St. Paul says, of these, I am the foremost. What? St. Paul? We all know St. Paul, the great apostle, the evangelizer. Thirteen of the letters in the New Testament are from him. He preached the gospel and gave Christ to the world. He helped Peter and the apostles to spread the message. Yes, he was a sinner, but he repented. But he says here, Christ came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. Sincerely, I think these should be words that come out of every one of our mouths. No, 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 sorry, St. Paul. <laughs> I'm the foremost sinner, not you. If we all had that attitude of looking at ourselves and our own sinfulness. We're very easy at looking at the sinfulness of others. Oh, we're easy to condemn and to criticize and to talk about the evil that others are doing, whether it's in our own community or out there in the world, the pagan world, no? We'll see that in the, in the gospel. We're so easy to condemn because we see everybody else's sin, but we're so lacking to see our own. I think last week it was, what about the splinter in the neighbor's eye when you got a beam in your own, right? We all need to have an attitude where in humility we're re we recognize I'm the foremost. I need God's grace. I need him to give me his mercy. If we all had that attitude, we'd be more humble in our relationships with each other too. For that reason, I am mercifully treated so that in me as the foremost, Christ may display his patience, his love, and his mercy. We have the example of Moses, the example of David, and the example of St. Paul all recognizing themselves as sinners and unworthy of God and begging humbly for his mercy and the Lord pouring it out on them without measure. 
And so the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes, the righteous ones, couldn't handle it. Why does he eat with sinners? So Jesus then gives us this beautiful lesson in the scriptures of his mercy and love. The story of the man who loses one sheep and goes to find the lost one, leaving the 99 righteous. I still haven't found the 99 righteous in this world. <laughs> uh, you know, oftentimes we think, oh, I must, I'm among the righteous. The sinners are out there. No, we're the sinners too. The righteous are often self-righteous. We need to be humble. We need to recognize that if God has given us his grace and we're here, and hopefully we're all in God's grace right now, hopefully we've all gone to confession and there's no mortal sin on our souls, and that we can receive worthily the Eucharist today and the banquet feast of the Lamb, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We're still sinners. And we need to ask humbly, and we do it at the beginning of the Mass. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins, have mercy on us. And throughout the prayers, you'll hear it over and over again. God's mercy, our sinfulness. God's mercy, our sinfulness. He comes out and looks for us and seeks us out and wants us to come back to the fold. In our sinfulness, God is always ready to give his mercy. This is something we should rejoice about. And we have this beautiful parable that we all know so well and have heard preached on so many times of the prodigal son, which would probably be called the prodigal father, as somebody said, because neither of the sons really know who their father is. This son goes and throws away everything. He just lives a life of sin, leaves the house of his father, goes and, and blows it all on, on vice, prostitutes and drunkenness and, and sinfulness and lust and all kinds of things. And once he's lost everything, everything, he's, he's down to nothing. He's, he's, he can't even eat the pods that they're giving to the swine. He's hungry. And it's not until then that he wakes up and says, what am I doing? My father, his servants eat better than this. I mean, he still doesn't recognize my father would take me back because he's a merciful good dad and he loves me. No, he's still just thinking about himself, his own stomach. I can't bear this anymore. Where's my solution? Oh, I'll go back to my father's house and, and ask him to treat me like a servant. He, he's still lacking in his contrition, but he's humble enough to recognize I need to go home. And that's all the father needs. That's all he needs. He needs us to have that little turn of humility where we're willing to say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Forgive me. And so he gets up and starts home. And the father, while he was still a long way off, and he still was, not only physically, he was a long way off spiritually, he was a long way off in many ways from knowing who his father was and the mercy of his father. His father caught sight of him, filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This is God, brothers and sisters. He's not some tyrant up there that wants you to fail. He's not some distant being that doesn't care. He's a father, a real loving father, who wants to give you his mercy and love every day and wants you to share in his divine life. His son said to him, you know, we, we kind of begin our confessions this way. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. 
Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been so many months since my last confession, or so many years, 10, 20, 30, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you've been away for 50 years and haven't done a confession. If you're willing to be humble enough to come back, God's more than willing to give you his mercy and love. If you've committed grave mortal sins and are ashamed and don't want to, what's the priest going to think? Don't care what the priest thinks. The priest thinks it's great that souls are coming back to God. If the priest doesn't think that, then the priest is wrong. No. It's such a blessing to see souls that are willing, after 10, 20, 30, 40 years, come and humbly say, yeah, I committed these sins. I'm sorry. I want God's mercy. And to see God free them of that sin and give him his grace. Doesn't matter how long or what your sin might be. Don't be ashamed to come to your father and say, forgive me, father, for I have sinned. And God the father, here, the father doesn't even give the the sinner, the young man, a chance to tell his sins. He, it was enough for him to see his expression of humility to come back and say, I'm sorry. And he, he says, no, 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 quickly. Find his robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. You know, it's the baptismal garb, redressed. Let's kill the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate because he was lost and he's found. Because all I long for is my children to receive my mercy and my love. He wants this for you. Yes, he wants it for me. He wants it for every one of us. He wants us to know who he is, to understand that this is how he loves us, to be willing, to be humble enough, to recognize I'm a sinner, I'm a creature, I need God's grace. And that's all it takes. Just make that little turn and head back to the house of the Father, and he will run out and embrace us and give us unworthily that gift, because it's a gift. It's like that mother who, when Napoleon was going to kill her son because of a crime he had committed and was guilty of, she screamed from the crowd, mercy, I plead for mercy. And Napoleon said to her, your son is guilty and everyone knows it. He deserves this punishment. And she said, I know he deserves it. I know he's guilty. That's why I'm asking for mercy. Because it's a gift that only you can give. Well, yes, it is a gift. We don't deserve it. We deserve to be crucified. Christ did not. He took it in our place in order to give us his mercy and love. The older son comes back, and he can't stand the fact that his father is so merciful. And love. why would you do such a thing? I haven't done anything wrong. Here we are, our right self-righteousness. You know, here is the Pharisees and the scribes, who were supposed to be the righteous ones, asking why Jesus is with the sinners, and he's telling them this story. Because Jesus is willing to save the pagans and the sinners and bring them back to the fold. The younger brother who's gone away and the older brother needs to hear the message. Hey, we got to all be together, united in one, in my body, in the church. I want to save humanity. God's mercy is for everyone. So we shouldn't condemn anyone. Pray for those you think need your prayers. But don't condemn them. They're in God's hands. Pray for his mercy on you and on them. And the older son doesn't know who his father is. I'm with you all the time. Said, but son, everything I have is yours. Everything. Your brother is back. You should rejoice, not be angry. Who is your God? Is he your father who loves you? Do you see him that way? Do you understand his love and mercy for you? 
Are you the younger son or the older son? Both of them didn't know who he was. And both of them needed to come to understand who their father truly is. And I think we often need to come to understand it too because he's always willing and ready, waiting and wanting. There's only one sin God can't forgive. The deadly sin, one. God will forgive any sin. It doesn't matter what it is, but one. Our unwillingness to humbly ask for his mercy because he won't force it upon us. He'll wait at the window. He'll look for us. He'll, he'll even go out to search for us. But we have to want to come home. We have to humbly recognize, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. And in that humility, he will pour out his grace. But if in our pride we reject his mercy, he won't force it on us because he wants us to love him freely. And he wants to love us in the same way. That's the only thing. So anything you've done, he'll forgive if you ask. Humbly like Moses, like David, like Paul, like the son here in the gospel. It's just God to give us the grace because for the son here, he slaughtered the fattened calf. For us, he sacrificed himself, his own son. And he invites us now into the banquet feast to celebrate the banquet feast of the lamb who has taken away our sins and given us his grace so that we can share in his body, blood, soul, and divinity? Yes, this is the Father who loves us. This is the Father who loves you. Your sins and your misery, my sins and my misery, will never be greater than his mercy because he is a merciful Father that wants his children to rejoice with him. Ask God to give us the grace to pray for this, be humble enough to ask for it ourselves, to be humble enough to pray for it for our friends and our family, to be humble enough to ask for it for our enemies and those who hate us, to be humble enough to recognize him for who he is, a merciful father who loves us and wants us home. He wants us to come back to him. Whether it's little tiny venial sins, imperfections, grave mortal sins, or whatever they might be. He's ready and willing if you're humble enough to ask. So ask him to give us the grace to not presume on his mercy, but to ask for it humbly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.